1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You think about the person in your life
2: when you started believing you more than anyone else. They're the ones that made the sacrifice. When I walk out, my old man's next to me. They're not just looking at you, they're looking at what made you. I want him talking about our fucking game. I want him talking about us. All well, right, well, well, well. oh, enjoy your
3: one. Welcome, listeners, to the Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardy. Hello, Bardy. Good day, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who virtue signals about right-on causes on social media, and then doesn't actually turn up is Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Ah, <sighs> oh, that's me. Mm. what happened there nathan what happened
0: <laughs> what happened was uh i got jonathan jonathan gave me a ticket big shout outs to him and then i was going to meet him at seven sisters and then he was late and when i was there i bumped into uh the ex-subs who at their regular meeting point the regular discord users who meet up are, together you're
3: about to throw our subscribers under the bus i'm not going to name so. them
0: individually i won't say he was last because i think he's a really great bloke <laughs> but basically so that, that rules out a few of them then <laughs> yeah yeah true uh um so i was hanging out with them and it's like oh we're just waiting for this and then they turned up and they're oh, we're just waiting for someone else or we're just waiting for someone else and that got us to like three thirty. so i was at seven sisters for half an hour <laughs> and then we walked down we stopped at two off licenses on the way Turned up at the stadium at quarter past four the protest started early and ended early so i showed up just as it was falling apart basically
2: that's a problem with this avocado generation. They can't get out of bed. <laughs> Me myself as Spooky. Mate, with the... I left at one o'clock for
0: a 5.30 kick-off, <laughs> like, for nothing.
2: <laughs> spooky and I were there early. One of the first people to arrive, we got involved. Well, as much as I do get involved in these things, and we we were there, not like these these kids these days, mate.
3: <laughs> so Kunal Shah, who is um, both the secretary of the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust and a Extra Inch subscriber, said... Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Bardi and Nathan at the Trust Ticket Pricing Demo. I'd love for you to thank all of the extra-inch listeners who joined us. We're hoping it'll be the start of a long-term campaign. We'll continue fighting until the club listens and stops exploiting our loyalty. Well done, Kunal, for organising this. Um, Barty, what did you make of the protest?
2: It was a good protest, man. It's kind of what I've been wanting to see happen a, a protest with a, a, an actual goal at it rather than just like, get Levy out of the club. There's actually some, there's a drive towards it, and there's something everybody can get behind, whether or yeah. not they're, you know, labeled Levy in or Levy out. Ticket prices are something that impacts everybody, and especially those who, who, who kind of can't afford it these days, we can all stand up for them. And um, it was a massive crowd. People got involved. A couple of Levy out chants started by a few people. We'd had a few too many but um they were in the minority really there it was on message and uh the trust did a great job and it was um good to see a little bit of press was there as well and uh, a lot of photographers so hopefully it's had an impact
3: very nice very nice And um, before we talk about the game just a couple of notices firstly thank you to emily gold who bought us a coffee i'd completely forgotten about this but we've got uh Co, so it's ko hyphen fi.com forward slash the extra inch. You can buy us a coffee if you don't want to subscribe to the Patreon, but you want to say thanks. It's like a tip jar, essentially. Uh, thank you, Emily. It's very sweet of you. Um, talking of Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the extra inch, we have turned back on the maximum discount off annual subscriptions, which is 16%. It's the maximum that Patreon would allow you to, to add. Uh, that'll be on for the next few days after the podcast drops. So that brings the price down to five pounds and four pence a month, which I think is a bargain for what you get from the extra inch. Um, one of the things you get is access to the the ExUp uh, only FPL league, Sidekicks and Best Friends. Uh, little shout out to Jack Howes and Alex Thompson, who are on 150 points already. Not even finished game week two yet. That's an insane start from both of them. Very impressive. Not, We've got some really good normal. players. That's not yeah. normal.
2: How are you doing now?
3: Heavy research, I imagine, and uh, a significant time commitment. But but,
2: but how work. how can you research this? Like I get I get it. Like when you could stack up and wait for double game weeks. But how are you picking? I don't know who did who did a who did a madness this weekend? A Villa player? Like how are you picking that a Villa player is going to do a madness? That you triple captain in them? I don't get how people <laughs> do this. This this thing, man.
3: <laughs> we we have a very talented bunch of FPL players in our. In our uh, mini league, they are seriously good at what they do. So I'm um, just looking at uh, the top team, which is Alex Thompson's team. Uh, he has got this week. He started Udogi. He's got Stupinan, Abermo, Matoma, uh, Watkins. He's still got a couple of players to play as well. So yeah, good, <laughs> good work. Very good work.
0: Is anyone in the FPL community cursing me out for tipping off Richarlison yet? Uh, assuming that's coming soon
3: well and me as well I mean I was telling everyone to get Richardson, and I have actually (laughs) taken the decision to ditch him myself (laughs) yeah 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 I mean the thing is I think I I do think he'll come good uh but I also think there's a chance he won't play the next game um I'm not Mm. ruling it out we'll talk about that we'll talk about that in a minute (laughs) um Thank you for all the emails and messages. I think the good vibes that Ange is bringing has led to an influx of very upbeat messages from a whole bunch of people. So I'm going to read out some names. Thank you all so much. Joel Hooten, Tom P, Stephen Bottomley, Marty Kilpatrick, Alex Paramore, Keith Weichel, Zach Schminovitz, Andrew Corbin, Kunal Shah, Joe Bridgeland, who said it was one of the best Tottenham experiences I've ever had about uh, Saturday's game, Peter Rundquist, Scott Girard, Jonah Conway, William Chaden, uh, Len Dosserets, Joshua Almeida, Chris Kelly, Jason Fisher, Gregory Green, Justin Cook, Anthony Hayes, Rob Schmittigans, John Neathy and Troy Curtis. Thank you all so much for getting in touch. We really appreciate all the messages. It's lovely to have so much engagement and positivity coming our way. Um, one final shout out to the England women's football team who put up a fantastic effort and made uh, for a really great, exciting World Cup. Edged out by Spain in the final, really close game, but Spain was seriously impressive. I thought. Did you guys yeah. watch that? Mm-hmm. Yes, I watched yeah. it. Yeah, really tough match for England. I mean, Spain just killed the game, didn't they? Essentially, I
0: do think that they're they're the best women's footballing nation. But I think you know they're they're worthy winners there. I think they they, have, they get a lot a lot of strength of um of Barcelona. There's quite a few Real Madrid players in there as well, but um the football that Barcelona play um i mean it's it's like spain and barcelona right back in back in the 2010s right barcelona is so strong very strong tactical identity and then you just fit a few players around that from, from mm. the other clubs and it carries over um rather than spanish national team having actually any useful <laughs> <small> coaching <laughs> but it's just it's just the players uh bringing what they already had so yeah i think that they the players are worthy winners
3: mm. yeah absolutely agree um so, let's talk about Man U. I don't know about you guys, but I'm buzzing. I feel yeah. so chuffed about this the direction Spurs are moving in, the the way the game went. Um it just feels really good to be a Spurs fan this week. Um and I say that like the first half was quite chaotic and a bit all over the place, but I kind of don't care. It was so much it was so good to watch. We absolutely smashed the second half. Um but first things first, the starting 11, there were two changes. Um, yeah, well, I mean, to throw it out to Bardi, what do you think? Um, Pedro Poirot coming in for Emerson Royal and Pat Matasar coming in for Oliver Skip.
2: Um, I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit concerned about um, Poro starting just because of the older belief about him being, you know, the the narrative around him being unable to defend in a four stepping into midfield. Is he is he reliable enough? Um, and the fact that Emerson had a pretty strong kind of second half and obviously had scored. Saar was very happy to see. I thought Skip was one of the the weaker performers in the in the Brentford match. And I I honestly I've been on a big Saar. Upwards curve since since he's like since the Milan game back in last year. You love him. I I really like him. I really like him, and I'm so happy about how he played. It was it was great to see his energy and just as yeah, he's just got a little bit of everything. And I think he and the, the fact that he covers the ground faster than Skip does, and I think he, he's just an all round better player than Skip. So I was really happy to see him start.
3: So we definitely need to talk a lot about Pat Matassar and his Mm. fantastic performance. Um, Nathan, what did you make of the team selection? Were you surprised that Ange made changes second game in?
0: No, because I think he's in a place where he's like, uh, and this is something that he was pretty strong on vocally, is that he doesn't have a first eleven yet. Still working things out, so it wasn't shocking. Um, sorry for Skip, wasn't too surprising following Skip's pretty, pretty, um, low impact performance against Brentford. I would say a little bit of that is Kudoseski not playing the ball through it to him on the overlap, to be fair, or underlap. Um, but yeah, I, I, I was worried about Poro, I was a little worried about Poro, to be fair. So, I'm not going to pretend I
3: wasn't yeah where do we want to start talking about this game because i kind of feel like we could pretty much go through every player and I mean, should we just do that should we just go through every single player because there's some interest here what do you reckon
2: Yeah, I I think so. I I sat in a new... I sat in a new... So I moved season ticket this year. So I've gone South Stand but towards the corner flag. And um, yeah, I had a whole different perspective of it. It's not quite as high as I was before. So I can't really get a feel of of the kind of Mm. layout of players. But I've really got a perception of of just the physicality and the speed of it. And just the kind of touch and movement of some of our players, especially on that left-hand side first half and that right-hand side the second half. So yeah, we can go through those players.
3: I I used to find that watching the under- team matches when you're you know at pitch side you you don't get the perspective of the the shape quite so well but what you do get is a really good view of the technical ability of of the players and sort of as you say the physicality Uh, it's a really good way of like getting a feel for that um let's do it let's uh let's let's just go through t1 to 11 because there were some seriously good performances here and some really interesting performances so Guillermo Vicario, I have been nothing but impressed with him so far and I thought he was absolutely outstanding against United, that save from Rashford where he just kind of made himself big and got his hand to it, I thought that was brilliant and and an underrated save, not enough was made of it I thought.
2: Um, that was right in front of me. It was a good save. He hesitated a beat, and you could feel it. And everyone around us kind of sucked in their breath because you could saw you saw the hesitation. But he spread himself and he made a good save. He made some good stops from um, a couple of headers as well. He mm-hmm. had a good, solid game. He played well.
0: But he had a really good game. I was, he, he, um, uh, there are a couple of really outstanding stops that were, I think, pretty pretty strong percentage chances that he. Yeah. You know, that he made into a clean sheet. A very impressive performance from him. And good on the ball too. Apparently, uh, people were quite unhappy with his passing versus Brentford and I didn't see it that way at all. I wasn't aware that that was a narrative until days later.
3: There, there was one moment against Brentford where it kind of looked like Basuma rescued a, a slightly iffy pass. but Yeah, that's what Basuma's for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like, know the player you're passing to, right? You're able to do that with Basuma. Because you know he'll get you out of trouble. Um, So we'll go right to that. Pedro Porro. I, you know, I'm such a huge fan of Pedro Porro. I I thought that he would be coming into this team for Emerson Royale at some point. I certainly did not think it would be second game in, especially after Emerson Royale had scored. Uh, That said, Bardi and I both made the comment last week that we thought Real was one of the weaker players. Um and you obviously picked up on that for whatever reason or or felt like they needed another pass from a team, and uh, that's something else we said in the pod last week and I think Poro offered that
0: I wonder if it was a, if if um if poro's pace was a factor in that decision if it was about recovery pace if that was something that was considered Or he just wanted an extra week
3: of training before poro yeah, came in yeah yeah, that's a good point It's a good point uh, nathan the the athletic have a a statistic that they use a data point that they use called value parser. Okay. And um, and Porro came up as one of the highest value passes in our team against United. Do you do you know what that might? Sure. Be?
0: Um, if it's working from expected threat, then I do understand, but I haven't read the article.
3: Okay. Um, Someone posted it on the, on the discord and I was interested. I think it's uh, something I don't, I need, I don't really know a lot about and I'd like to know more. Okay. Um, Uh, But yeah, yeah. Poro came up, showed up as one of the highest value passes in the team against United. Sure. Unsurprising.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think um he uh played several incisive through balls for Kulosevsky and and also for other players into the right channel and and, and uh we saw the upside. We definitely saw the upside of Poro in that role in this game. He did better than I thought he would. I was worried and uh and he outperformed my expectation at this stage. Um he had a I kind of wanna um I kinda wanna run through the game tactically. Okay. Um, But I think he had a shaky opening 15 minutes or so, Um, lost the ball a handful of times. Um, But then after that, I think we mostly
3: saw the benefits of going with Poro over Royale. So there's this moment where he receives the ball on the turn, uh, facing our our goal. The ball's played to him with three United players bearing down on him. And he, there's a turnover, essentially. And Gary Neville, in commentary, made such a big deal of it. And and subsequently, Neville went on to say, you know, fullbacks are fullbacks. This is why they're fullbacks and not midfielders. They can't take the ball there. Yada, yada, yada. And he was really going on and on about it. I was like, mate, you give the ball there to any of our midfielders except Basuma and they will do the same thing hmm. that Poro just did. Like, that is asking a lot of any player. Um, it was in my view, totally unreasonable criticism, and Ange wants us to play this way and be brave. Like, that's we're gonna lose the ball sometimes, and that's fine.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh I I I still have some concerns. I'm still not like all in on, on Porro. Um again definitely saw the upside, definitely saw a little bit of the downside. Not just in that moment, but a few others. Um I thought that his defensive positioning in this game was fine.
3: Oh my god, second half, he shut down that side so well. Really immaculate defensive. He work. did also get a fair bit of help in
0: that from Saar, I think it's fair mm, to say. So yeah. I wouldn't separate those variables just yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, feeling feeling a lot more optimistic, I would say. I'd go as far as to say feeling a lot more optimistic about Boro in the longer term. With that all said, uh, I was really quite glad when Emerson Royale came on. Um, I thought that was the right time mm-hmm. that United were putting us under it a bit, that it was it was getting a bit sketchy. Few players on the yellow cards, few players getting tired. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, so, so that was the right time for, for Emerson Royale. So, yeah. It's going to take a while to go through the eleven.
2: <laughs> yeah, but that, smart substitutions, man. He saw yellow cards. He saw tiredness. Swap people in. Swap people out. Davies for Udogie was good. Emerson Royale was good. Michiel um, Berg apart from one pass, was a, was a good decision. We didn't. He was able to hold the ball and do the yeah. simple passing. Even yeah. though I was concerned we would miss Sars' athletic abilities just to cover that space behind Poro. Those those were those were good decisions. I'm I'm looking forward to us chatting about the the defence and our big Dutchman.
3: Yeah so centre backs I mean let's let's group them together because I don't think there was a lot between the, the two performances but Romero and Van de Ven I've thought were very steady
2: yeah yeah i mean van der ven is 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 quite a specimen he's he's massive so like i'm from a school where i like my defenders to be like a pair of scissors cutting through silk or your your defenders are like a, a hammer that just kind of smashes out a chicken a scallop a tenderizer so kind of in between those two but then van der ven he's just as just his presence and it's like the ball is lost and there's a clip in nathan's video where he's falling over and he, is, he puts both his hands <laughs> on the floor and it's like that's it that's over he's lost this ball but he just has this kind of gravitational force around him <laughs> that just sucks the ball in and then he's able just to glide past a, a player he's massive but he moves like a little person if you see what i mean he's yeah. he's unbelievable he's a little bit of everything but still huge a Pounding and when he runs, the the ground moves, man. It's unbelievable. This guy and Jeez. yeah, he. I'm really, really impressed by him. I was really close to him in the first half, and sometimes United squished him to the sideline, and he was still able to work it out there. Absolute brilliant defender I mean, if you guys were big in tap over up over this guy, then I can't imagine what that guy's like because Van der Ven is incredible.
3: <laughs> I definitely think Van der Ven is more composed than what I've seen a tap I think he is so uh in control
0: i'm not gonna walk back from my attempts. i'm impressed but i'm really (laughs) impressed i'm really really pleased with the way that have you both seen my van de ven video in in full yet yeah um should we talk about that later
3: you can do it now if you like
0: okay uh yeah tell me tell me how you're feeling with uh with both the video and its performances so far and how that
3: matches i i think the performances are the, the video is representative of what we've seen so far largely um but, he, but heavy on the upside, I would say. Yeah, yeah. No, like, I feel like there's an aspect to the video which you perhaps don't... You, you you maybe don't give him enough credit for the fact okay. that he's playing in a poor team, in a poor defence, uh, and he's doing a lot of covering work. Whereas now, obviously, he's got a fantastic centre-back partner alongside him uh, and a really good proactive goalkeeper behind him as well. Um, and I think it's showing that he's... He's been moved into a system that works well with a stable partner and he looks the real deal. He looks so comfortable on the ball. I love the way that he makes a tackle and also sort of brings the ball out of a tackle into um, the, the right space for him to move onto to it in an elegant, unflinching way. Um, he covers ground unbelievably fast. Yeah, we've got a really good player here. It's a freak. <laughs> he, um,
0: so, the, the one sort of, um, how much do we talk about this on the podcast? The one sort of downside I feel it, uh, is that um, he's probably not a great penalty box defender at this stage in his career um, that if you put him into a Mourinho or a Conte team Mm. you're going to be calling him a a donkey eventually because he's and I think the couple of times I mean when I was watching the match live I was like oh that's that's two or three times now that someone slipped over his shoulder into the space behind him but actually I'll go home and watch it back and he's caught one of them offside and he nearly caught Bruno offside yeah Um, it is so something a little bit there but again how often are we going to be forced back to defending in our own box this season. Um, his ability to defend space is really quite special.
3: Uh, on the Bruno one, I'd also say that Basuma was a little slow out. So it's, you know, when there's no pressure on the ball, no immediate pressure on the ball, it's really difficult for centre-backs. It's like, what do I just drop back or do I try and play an offside? I I, I wouldn't blame Van der Ben entirely for that chance. Uh, but yeah, some player. And then on the left, Destiny Doggy, who again... It's it's hard to believe that he's the age he is because he plays um in such a sort of self-assured way. Um he's twenty. He's twenty years old, it's crazy.
0: Again, slightly difficult start, um, for reasons i again I'll do the I'll do the walkthrough later, but United had a good start with their pressing and that gave both of our fullbacks a difficult time. Um after that, just just really good. Slightly less um, like not not quite one of the standouts this match no um, I agree but if this is
3: like if this is his floor um, what career he's gonna have he's outrageous for his age <laughs> mm. and for the Italian national team body
2: uh, yeah now we've now we've replaced it's very hard to talk bad things about Mancini because he won the Euros but now he's gone uh, with Spalletti in charge we might see something a bit more positive and something different and yeah he was good he was definitely nervous in the first half you could see that you could see it but once again I was I was close to him I'm row 11 now I can almost touch him what a lovely lovely player
3: hmm and then our holding midfielder, my man of the match in both of the first two games, Yves Basuma, who is once again absolutely incredible uh, on and off the ball, in my view.
2: He's unbelievable. He's, he just picks the ball up. He's a, he's, he just picks the ball up and just spins out of trouble. His confidence in taking the ball anywhere on the pitch is unparalleled. A um, couple incredible. of dribbles into the box as well. A couple of dribbles, touching, t- a little back heels. An absolute wonderful performance. And it's one of those now that he's so good that I've now become frightened about what happens if he's not there. <laughs> um, it's only been two games, and now I'm, I'm pondering what life could be if we don't have him anymore, which makes me scared. But he was, he was sensational. What performance? <laughs>
0: Uh, for me, uh, I repeat, uh, he's lacking in the tactical aspect, and uh, uh, we're talking about a player who is a club transfer, and uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding, he's fucking outrageous. <laughs>
3: um, I said in my in my weekly email to the ex-subs that Antonio Conte should be investigated by MI5, the CIA, and Interpol for the crimes that he committed against Yves Bissouma. Yeah, yeah. Uh, alongside him, two other absolutely outstanding performers: Pat Matasar on the right, James Madison on the left. Uh, let's start with Saar. Um, so, I mean, I, I've been a little critical of Saar in that I do I, I think that there's there's technical aspects of his game that that are imperfect, which is you know just my opinion. But what I didn't take into consideration, and and what I really should have done, is that. Ange has a knack of hiding flaws and accentuating the absolute best bits of players and his best bit which is incredible is his ability to move up the pitch in the most graceful <laughs> grass-guzzling way and then arrive in the box at just the right moment and he glides doesn't he he really does it's gorgeous to watch he's like i don't know it's i don't recall seeing a player move like this for spurs In the past, Um, there's something really special about the way he moves. Um, Last week, I said Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm using your phrase. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll chuck some royalties your way. Um, last week I said that Kulusevsky was coming inside and Skip was having to overcompensate by moving outside of him and, and hold that position, this week Kulusevsky did a really good job and we'll come on to him in a minute of, of holding the wide position making the pitch big and what that meant was Saar didn't need to be on the right of him, he could just get into the box and get into the box he did, he caused trouble to United on three or four occasions with late bursts, arriving unmarked getting between the midfielders and he was such a handful. He did it well in pre-season, so I shouldn't have worried that he would be able to pick it up in in the Premier League. Um, what a blend of what a blend of a skill set between him, Madison, and Busuma. That's
2: what that's what I want to see from my midfielders. When I when I call when I criticise um, it wasn't really. I mean, you know, his passing and everything else got on my nerves, but it was his lack of ability just to cover the ground, get a, get get all over the pitch um, Schubert would just kind of point at people tell them to cover it where Basuma and Saad they just go and get it done themselves because they just have that physical ability and that's when I go on about how a player moves and what they look like that's that's it that's what I want my midfielders to look like that's what I want my midfielders to do and it was an incredible performance from the two of them it, it was kind of like um, we had a Sandro and Dembele early days under AVB where we went to Old Trafford and they just run United to the ground and it was very similar those two United couldn't cope with them Casemiro was not non-existent, and Fernandez just complaining the whole time. It was a brilliant midfield performance. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to um, the bizarre season. <laughs> we're making that happen, by the way. Bizarre. I was wondering
0: if that was one of those things where you've had a few drinks and you're like, "Yeah, we're going to go with bizarre. We're going to use bizarre as the title. Bizarre. We're really going to make that catch on." And then, like, when you were sober on Monday, you just pretend that that never happened. But you're you're doubling down, and that's. <laughs>
2: You don't know me by now, I'm always gonna double down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> once you've said it, once it's yeah, out there, it's you're great. committed. Yeah. Um yeah, man. Uh, I, I I've already I've already issued my my public apology to Sir. <laughs> to uh yeah, he was outstanding. He was really outstanding, both ends of the pitch and everywhere in between. And uh, um yeah, it's his movement. His movement um is really quite special. I do think uh, like I don't take back um, my sort of analysis of the technical shortcomings, although he is developing in those areas, mm-hmm. um, I do think that these more transitional games against top six clubs, yes, are going to suit him better with where he can use his ability to cover space to cover even more space than than yeah. everyone else. Yeah, um, and that games where we're playing against like a back five all in their own box and he's operating in smaller spaces, that's where he he might have uh, less great performances. Um, but I feel really, really good about like I think to the extent where even potentially in the future, uh, fit that we might go, Okay, we're we're playing Liverpool, we're playing Chelsea. Um, let's use Saar for this one because this is his speciality, I think.
3: Do you know what this this performance from Saar made me even more excited to see Bentoncourt in Angie's system, to be sure. honest. Because I feel like um Bentancourt has the physicality, you know. He eats up the ground as well. It presses incredibly, but also has the technical excellence. So I feel like he gets, and and let's hope that he can break into the box in the same way. He scored a couple under Conte. That's what he did last season. Yeah. So I, I, like seeing Saar do this makes me think that Bentancourt might be able to do it even better. Which is, you know, Saar's done it this well, then that's very exciting. Um, don't want to get ahead of myself with Bentancourt because he's coming back from a really serious injury, so he's going to have a lot of time. He might not have that athleticism anymore. Yeah. We'll and, and and the other thing is, Nathan, I don't, like, I don't think um, we can pretend that Sa had a perfect game because, like, y- you and I both mentioned the technical aspects, like with his passing. There was a moment where he made a brilliant burst into the box. Uh, Kulisevsky's wide of him; it comes to him, and he kind of plays it into Kulisevsky's feet. He plays it a little bit behind him. If he played it out mm. in front of him, he can drive a shot across goal with his right foot. These are the things that I want. I'd love to see him build on over time. A couple of times he commits himself in midfield, and United pass around him. One for a Garnacho chance in the first half. One for an Anthony chance in the second. He's not perfect. He's a, he's twenty. He's twenty. Was he twenty years old? Like there are going to be some issues. Um, but this performance in this game was over and above what I thought that Saar could achieve. And I'm very happy that he's proved me wrong in, in this instance. Um, I was very very impressed by his performance. And I think the Suma and Sar gave Madison a platform as well. Um unfortunately it seems like he's picked up an injury. But isn't Madison just a lovely player to watch? Yeah. Yeah. Um he's so crafty, so silky. Uh
0: I mean essentially we've we've finally replaced Erickson, right? Yeah. And I think that's about as big a compliment as I can give a player. <laughs> I think uh yeah, so, so silky. Um, really stands out in the team for that, I think. Uh, yeah, I thought he had a very, very good game. I thought he was also very, very good against Brentford. I think that he is going to churn out chances for us all season long. I think that he slowed the play down a couple of times when he shouldn't have done. I think that his tendency to want um, a large number of touches in quick succession, uh, which is something I, I, I highlighted in the video I did on him, um, negatively affects his suitability for the way that we play occasionally in that materialising in this game. Think that LaCelso may even have been a better fit, like we just talked about with Sar, about it being against a top six side. Um, that's one where, where it might have been one for Lo Celso which is why he misses a couple of games nursing his ankle. Really, not the biggest problem in the world. Yeah. Rather, he heals up, mm-hmm. um, and, and LaCelso gets a couple of games to show what he can do. Um, but yeah, don't don't let me don't let me don't don't make it seem like um, I'm being negative on this game because again, I thought it was very very good. I just sort of noticing that 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 tendency in his game definitely materialised in this in this match.
2: I think that's a fair assessment. I've been surprised by how slippery he is in possession, and he's yeah. able to. Run Tackles far more than I, I thought. He was just a get the ball, touch, pass it, um, like in a good way, like good vision. But I've been surprised at how slippery he is. I do agree that um, occasionally his, his the, the way he wants the ball he, and he his kind of eagerness to get involved in every attacking aspect can slow the play down. But I, I just think that will speed up in time. There was a few opportunities when he perhaps he could have released Sun on the counter, maybe he could have hit Kulisevsky earlier. But I do think those those will come in time as, as he learns how, his, um, how the other players move and the space they run into.
0: It's that time of the year.
1: Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: I'm on this podcast because I know things about pasta. 90s Italian football and I'm far more exotic than my Anglo-Saxon podcast friends. You could say I'm a bit Latin, but you wouldn't because you're not a Graeme Souness wannabe. How do I remain in touch with my Latin roots? Despite being slap bang in the middle of fish and chip land, I use NordVPN. It gives users the ability to salsa their way out of the UK and into warmer climes, spicier soap operas and of course 3pm football. You could put pineapple on a pizza here, but you can't watch 3pm football. So how do you go about being more Latin? I hear you asking. Well, it's easy and surprisingly cheap, my Amici. Slip this exclusive NordVPN discount into your speedos by using nordvpn.com forward slash inch. You'll also receive four extra months for free. And there's no risk with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. The link is in the episode description box. Ciao, ciao.
3: And before we talk about our front three, let's have a short break to talk about our partnership.
2: I gave AG1 a try because as I've got older, I like my benefits and rewards. I reap what I sow in my takes and in my supplements. Windy, can you name a benefit of AG1, my friend?
3: It's great for supplementing vitamins and nutrients in diets lacking in fruits and
2: vegetables. That's true, boss, and word perfect. Maybe you should do these ads, my friend. But this benefit isn't what I wanted to chat about today. I want to talk bloating and easing bloating symptoms, something our Spurs squad could do with. Embrace AG1's positive impact on your gut health by getting probiotics in your system on a regular basis. Drinking AG1 regularly reduces bloating and can help if you're a bit bunged up down there. So be gut smart. Cut the bloat, drop the Brian Hills and Jaffet Tangangas from your gut formation and make AG1 part of your morning routine.
3: AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic and more in one simple drinkable habit, science driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics and whole food source nutrients. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. That's drinkag1.com forward slash extra inch. Check it out. So we move on to our front three. I thought Kulishevsky put in the performance that he put in in the second half against Brentford. Um, I'm seeing improvement week to week. I have full faith that Ange is going to mould him into a very dangerous player on the right. <laughs> Stunned you into silence
0: yeah, um, I you know, just stared at each other Who's going to do it first I wasn't uh, he'd, um, We've yeah, he already was had right. this
2: conversation In full disclosure Wendy, uh, Nathan and I had this conversation at the stadium So that's why I was waiting for him to go And I guess he was waiting for me to go
0: uh, I He um he was good. Like, he was he was good. Um, he played in the ball that was deflected for Saar, right? Um, he was definitely better in the second half when we played a more uh, compact, joined-up game. The opening 10 minutes of the game, um, both him and Son had opportunities to really attack space. Um, and neither did brilliantly with that. And I think that um, two seasons ago, if Kulosevsky has space that he can carry the ball into, he turns that into an assist a game, like, as a certainty. And I'm wondering if he has lost a yard of pace in some way, if he's still dealing with consequences of the injury that saw him out last season or some other thing. Um, but I'm feeling... because I. Sorry, to contextualize, like we I talked throughout preseason and also the Brentford game that uh we're lacking two way speedster wingers. However, I tweeted just before the United game that I would stick with Sun and Kulaselski for this game because they're again like we talked about with Saar, like we talked about with Madison, more sort of transition friendly players. Um, but I think neither of them used their counterattack-esque space attacking abilities well in this game, um, in that opening fifteen minutes or so of the game, or when other opportunities turned up too much. Um, so again, I'm not saying that he had a bad game because he, he did create a couple of chances, but I don't know. I, I just I feel like he can't he couldn't escape Luke Shaw in this game, and I feel like he would have done two seasons ago.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I think it's I think it's nice Spurs are spreading the goals around, but at mm. some point. the we kind of, you rely on your forwards to score your goals and they're looking very unlike scoring, if you see what I mean. We, we look a dangerous team. But those three look the least dangerous attacking players we have. And I thought Kuliszewski went missing. He was better in the second half because, frankly, he was pretty bad in the first. And um, Richarlison just... I know, like, historically, Postecoglou's strikers don't touch the ball a lot. But even when he did touch it, he just looked really out of sorts. And I don't know. I'm a bit concerned about it. I'm not going to go in on Richarlison yet. But um, I think he, he's got a lot to prove. He's got a couple of games coming up now against weaker opposition. And we need to see some kind of return from him now.
3: He was really frustrated at being taken off. Um, I don't know if you caught that, but he was very angry on the bench uh, and was kind of asked about that after the game. And he said he was just disappointed in his performance, didn't get the passes that he he felt that like he needed to to do something. Um, but yeah, there was a couple of times where the ball bounced off Richarlison a little. Um, and he is a bit of a scruffy player technically at times. He doesn't always make the ball stick. Um What I will say is he's absolutely relentless and that is very, very helpful for the team. So I feel like even when he has a bad game, he still brings something. He still offers, you know, a a useful service to the rest of the team around him. Um, But you're right that he does need a goal. I thought it was fine. I thought his movement was good.
0: I think that, again, because... Um, the wingers aren't getting crosses in. That he's not getting the chances that he needs. And uh, when we do put the ball into him, he'll he'll score goals. I thought that his movement opened up space for. The other chances that we had. And that uh, maybe, unlike when uh, Kyogo scored a bucket load of goals for Celtic last season, because of the higher level of defending in the Premier League, that the forward might become more of a decoy type player in the system. Um, I'm just really not concerned about Richardson at all. Um, mm. and I understand that the pressure is going to amount and that's going to actually materialize and affect how he feels, how Postacogli feels, how the fans is greater feel. But, um, in terms of his ability, I don't think that there should be any concern, but that's mm. just me.
3: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. The The concern I have uh, comes from the fact that the final man we've not spoken about, Son, was moved into the centre-forward role for the last few minutes of the match. Uh, and I do, given that Son isn't especially effective at wide so far, I, and given Son is the captain and is such a wonderful player, I do wonder if Postacoglu is going to experiment with him through the middle sooner rather than later, particularly if Richardson yeah. doesn't start scoring. Yeah, that's, why, mean, that's why i've sold him for my fantasy team by the way because i i do have that concern I mean I, I kind of, I really believe in
0: in both of them as being good options yeah which is kind of why I my my loyalties are split because I've I think that Richarlison is really good and Richarlison should work out in that role. And I think that Sun's a really good fit and that's the best use of Sun. Mm. So I'm kind of like, I guess I'm kind of just sort of whatever. I, I, yeah. I think that between Richarlison and Sun, there just isn't a center forward problem at all that needs solving. I'm just, I'm really happy with our, with, with between those two, our options of center forwards. And I think it's, um, the most, dramatically over discussed yeah unimportant and <laughs> irrelevant facet of our season yeah like yeah. we don't need gift Auburn desperately although i really like him we don't need some other big names centre forwards come in and replace harry kane because i think that we have the forwards that we need at our club it's pure narrative isn't it if so, it, yeah.
2: So you guys think we should be signing wingers, not strikers? Yeah, fair enough.
3: What did you make of Sun's performance, Buddy?
2: I thought Sun was okay. I didn't think he was great. I thought he was okay. He perhaps a bit more effective in the second half through the middle, but then we were a more effective team in the second half. He had opportunities in the first. He was he was heavily involved in the the power shot that hit the crossbar, wasn't he? That was him. Mm. So. um Less concerned with him than I am with Richarlison. I am am worried about the number nine. I really think we need a number nine to score us 15 goals at least this season. And I just don't see Richarlison doing that. I do.
3: I think he'll he'll get 15.
0: Him or Son, one of them. Maybe both. Between them,
3: them, they should get more than that. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) So go on, Nathan. Give us your tactical deep dive.
0: Okay, all right. Um, So... United came out pressing very narrow. Right, they put narrow wingers on narrow fullbacks. They matched our shape and abandoned the the deep wide space. Um, and they did. A sort of 4 3 one pressing shape where Bruno and Rashford took turns. One of them would pick up Basuma and one of them would go and press the centre-back. And because of the certain quality of Vicario, um, Romero and Van de Ven, they weren't too phased and they did a decent job of just moving the ball between the three of them. Uh, in that early 15 minutes, you had... Um, United turning the ball over in midfield especially on the full a handful of times and, and getting good chances out of that I thought that United definitely had a good start there you also got a handful of occasions where we worked around their press and got the ball through to Kulusevski and signing areas which is where I was disappointed in them that they weren't able to turn those into equally dangerous chances and I think that if we had a better fit for the winger profile in those moments if Solomon had started maybe even if Perisic had just started although he's got old man legs now that we would probably turn those into chances good chances so United had the better at the opening 15 minutes and then for some reason um Rashford's especially and Bruno stopped pressing the centre backs and I think that probably the Wolves game was on their mind a little bit that they knew that we were getting the ball through to Kulusevski inside and again we weren't making the most of those opportunities but I think that's a bit scary anyway uh, maybe it was planned. Maybe that was just, we'll do this for the opening 15 minutes and then we'll we'll soften up a bit. Um, but then they sort of sat off and sat off and sat off, just keeping their wingers on the fullbacks, denying access into Basuma a lot of the time. And for the next sort of 15, 20 minutes, the game really slowed down, became quite, um, oh, what is the word? Tentative, I guess, <laughs> will do. And then um, we started to come up with some ideas. We started to um, change up our build up shape. So Basuma occasionally dropped in between the centre backs or more often into the wide traditional fullback areas. Saar started turning up as a right back more frequently. And then occasionally Porro would just go take up the positional right back positioning. Um, Madison would come deep towards the ball, things like that. And we started to have the better of the remainder of the first half. And I was thinking, oh, okay, I wonder because uh, I was talking with uh with Jonathan, who who got me the ticket very kindly, I was talking with Jonathan, like I wonder whether we'll like just use a back three in the uh, with Bazuma dropped in and build up in the second half or what. And in the second half, what changed was United began pressing the centre backs again. But with our newfound solutions to build up that we'd worked out in the first half, that really just cost them. And I think between the sort of forty fifth and seventieth minute, we kept drawing them out and playing through them, and that's when we had our dangerous spell, um, scored the first goal. We're really on top of United. The thing with that is because because we had more players committed into the deepest part of build-up uh we weren't turning our build-up play into fast attacks through the wingers right fast attacks through Kulosevsky and Son, just with acres of space to run into but it sort of unlocked midfield possession where we had slower plays and then we were able to combine in the final third with, with Kulosevsky and Son operating with their fullback finding Madison and things like that Sa running on and had sort of slower possession but fruitful slow possession um, and then around 70 minutes, I felt like we gassed out. Like we made some subs um, that were, were good subs, definitely necessary. But I felt like sort of the spine of uh, like Basuma and Son looks gassed to me. Madison looks pretty done in. Maybe his ankle was, was hurting at that stage. And then we were, sort of got pushed back in the final 20 minutes. We really sat in our own half in a way that possibly won't like. But I think he'll be understanding of the fitness aspect there. Um, see, I think I, I might try and... Explain some of these things in video or or image form this week um but I thought a really interesting tactical game um in those ways. The other, the other very small thing is that when we pressed the um, United goal kick, we used a four four two with a diamond midfield. Um, because again, I've talked before about how Postecoglou's pressing system of a four four two doesn't tend to pick up the opposition's number six very well, and that's largely relevant in Scotland because the number sixes are just there for tackling. <laughs> right? As a as a Celtic fan was made the joke to me the other day. I've I've nabbed his joke. Um, but in, in Europe, that cost them. Um, so, yeah, we, we we put the front two on the two centre-backs and played a diamond in midfield with with uh, Simon Kulicewski dropping into midfield. Um, so that was interesting. I thought we did well there.
3: I think the other aspect that you've not spoken about in relation to the stronger second half uh, is the intensity with which we play. Um, so Matt Bogard Said are the strongest second halves A real thing if so is it a tactical Adjustment teaching over half time Or something else and um, I thought this was interesting the Spurs Express tweeted that In terms of number of sprints We maintained largely The same level of intensity in fact it was up in the second half, so 93 sprints in the first half compared to 98 in second, whereas United dropped significantly. 70 sprints in the first half down to 57 in the second. Uh, we are a seriously intense team, again. Um, we made 41 more sprints than United in a single half of football. That's mm. that's really going to take its toll.
2: I think... Um- I don't know. Man United just seemed old. You know, they just seemed the way that they just couldn't. They couldn't handle it. And um, there's something really. I don't know. Are they that much older than us? I don't know. But they just seem. Probably Casemiro,
3: Varane, Fernandes.
2: Mount, I guess, isn't isn't the most athletic of midfielders. So um, yeah, they were just made to look very pedestrian, and that's why I, I spoke about the, the the Sandro and the Dembele axis that that bullied them that time. They just seemed to lack the oomph across the pitch. Um, yeah, we just outrun them, which is which is which is nice. I don't think it's it's been well, it's been half a decade since we've perhaps done something like that. It's, it's nice to see.
3: So. Uh... E. William picks up on something that Bardi's mentioned already. Should we worry or be pleased that all of our four goals scored so far? Sorry, of the four goals scored so far, three have come from defenders. I guess Saar could be classed as part of the front five, but is the lack of clear-cut chances for our forwards a sign of the system working or not working? Um, Bardi, are you are you concerned about the spread of goals so far?
2: I am concerned. I think if you go into like a, a short-term football tournament, World Cup or something, it doesn't matter. You get your goals from wherever they come from. But I think over the course of a thirty-eight season, we're going to need our forwards to start chipping in. I would have liked to have seen at least one from the front three by now. The fact that that hasn't happened it is a concern for me. I'm hoping that they kind of, I'm hoping it kind of relaxes and it comes to them naturally. But I'm concerned. Yeah, I've already said it. I'm, I'm worried about it. I just don't see goals at the moment from or Kuliseski. Hmm. Hmm.
3: I I mean SAR scored from inside the six yard box. So I think it was inside the six yards box. If it wasn't, it was close.
2: Yeah.
3: Romero did also. Emerson Royale scored from the edge of the box. And trying to think of the other goal. The own goal. The own goal, which again Duff was Davies. from a cutback, yeah. Mm. Um I'm not worried. I don't feel worried. I feel like it's this is something where we've struggled in recent years to sort of spread the goals a bit more evenly around the team. And now we have got players uh, hitting the box in interesting ways that we haven't seen for quite some time. Um, Son had a really good chance, the one where he kind of danced his way across the penalty box. And I celebrated
0: I f- that because I, I was I was up out of my seat cheering before he took the shot. Like I, I, f-
3: I feel like he took one too many touches, mm. uh, but then having taken that extra touch, he should have taken another. He should have rounded the next player. Mm. Um and he kind of did the the thing in the middle, and it didn't. it got blocked away, um, and that, that was a shame. Um, Kulosevsky to me looks dangerous. I th- I feel like he's he's on the brink of scoring soon. He, he's still getting shots away, and Richarlison. I just feel like he needs one to drop to him. He's so good in the air. He's a he's good in the penalty box. I do think it's a matter of time before he he snags one. Um, I'm not too worried, Nathan. Any concerns? No, like I said, I think that um, because Premier League
0: defences are pretty good, we'll see our front three picked up more and our midfield and full backs capitalise that. I think we will score quite a few goals from our midfielders and fullbacks this season. Um, and yet at the same time, I think the reason that Richardson doesn't have a goal is because we haven't got wingers who are getting to the byline and, and whipping the ball in and that we mm. need to do that. So kind of both. Yeah, the, the system as a whole is working. The system in particularly the way that it serves the centre forward is not working. Get get Williamson. He had it's an game, outstanding it, it, game, by the way, the other day.
3: It's game two, though, right? Like, there's sure, and we've already seen improvements in several yes. players. Like, this scope for growth here is enormous. Um, there's so much more still to come from this team. Um... Ram says, our performances look good and yesterday felt great at the stadium, but should we be concerned that we lost on XG for both games?
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we got away a little bit with um, Vicario's short stopping. Um and, and Bruno
3: Fernandez's mischance was a that was a bit of a sitter. And let mm.
0: me awkwardly stumble my way through this terrible joke, Wendy. Uh would you take thirty eight games in which we lost on XG but we finished top four
3: anyway? <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> We have to be consistent, Nathan. And if we <laughs> if we've raised concerns about uh the XG not going our way for long periods of the season and trending downwards, then I yeah. think we have to say that things are looking good. The thing is, Brentford are a team that their style suits the matchup. Like the counter-attacking style they have suits the matchup. And I wasn't at all surprised that they did pretty well and expected goals. Um and I think like you say there were some teething problems at the start of a menu game. But when you look at the the XG timing chart that understat produce, they barely create anything in the second half. like we've we've got them under completely under control by that stage. yeah um it's like we're figuring things out pretty quickly as we go and and so I expect us to improve and I expect um Post-Cogli to find more solutions as time goes on. so I'm not worried. I'm I am concerned
2: well. about what the stats tell us. Go on, go on. <laughs> no, I'm not. I just thought, it's just oh. funny you guys. <laughs> <because laughs> all of a sudden using the stats, they all just like, they really matter anymore. The the <laughs> it's all about the results. We're glad you're with me now. It's all about the results. Stat don't mean anything. Just chuck them in the sea.
3: Bardi, um, this one is definitely for you mm. as um, someone who,
2: I wouldn't say was sceptical, but you wanted to
3: see what, Big Ange was offering before you before you jump for joy. No. Uh, Discord Dan says, "Are you surprised at how quickly the fan base at large has embraced Big Ange, given his lack of name recognition and the surrounding Kane saga?" Personally, I thought it would take a while for the crowd to truly get behind him. So I was pleasantly surprised by how much he how much love he received on Saturday and the relative lack of getting on players' backs about passing out from the back when and when things went wrong. Um, are you feeling? Um, surprised by the groundswell of support that Postacoglu's had as Spurs manager?
2: No, I'm not surprised at all because of the <clears throat> because of the situation Postacoglu's come into. He's he's arrived at a point where the club is broken and everybody's looking for some positivity to jump on board. At the moment, it, it, all all summer it's been purple and gold nonsense. So the the supporters in the in the stadium are, have been looking for for something to to hang their hat on, and this kind of result helps. I don't know if you remember when, when we beat City in Nuno's first home game, and the, there was all the Kane stuff. It was post Mourinho. There was the same, wasn't to this level, but it was still hmm. the same kind of positivity around it because it's all of a sudden it's totally the opposite of what you've been what you've been used to. But the football was good. That helps. The result was great. That helps. Um, there was a few little changes made by the club in terms of atmosphere. That helped as well. the The trumpet. A few of us were kind of skeptical about how this would go down, but it the trumpet okay. was good. The drum was Is right. good, man. The um the drum had a few people around me going, what, what are we German now all of a sudden? And um, <laughs> but they got into that as well. And just with everything, man, if you start winning games, things things the mood changes immediately, and that was a good game to win. And um, am I surprised? No. And it's quite nice. It's quite nice to see everybody being positive. And the DJ as well, shout out to the DJ after the match. He was he was banging out the classics. <laughs> <laughs> That really helped. Not no bad. one left their seats, and you haven't seen that in ages. Normally, by seventy minutes, the concourse is full and the south stand is empty. But people hung around for the final whistle. Uh, things were good. Things were really, really good, and hopefully, this continues.
3: I really think there's more to it than just winning games. Um, I honestly, if we if we'd lost this game to Manu, I still think there would be this kind of level of positivity because it feels like. So there was this um, statistic that um, I think the BBC produced, which was, a, I guess it was probably a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but it was essentially um, average passes in the opposition half uh, that Spurs managers ha- have had. And Posta Coglu in two matches has averaged 375 passes in the opposition half. Uh, next is Pochettino with 308. And you obviously have Nuno, Mourinho and Conte well below that. Just having the ball in the opposition half and not just passively having the ball, but trying to create and rotating um, and seeing movement and different players being involved in and out of possession. Um, The growth in in players we've already seen, but uh, that we can see will improve. Um, And above all, I think the the incredible communication that we've had from Postacoglu so far, I think they, they all lead to a feeling that we're moving in the right direction and we're moving in the right direction as one. Pasta is a brilliant communicator in that he is direct, he's clear, he's concise, but the thing that I like the most is he's authentic. It doesn't feel like um, he's giving media-trained answers. It doesn't feel like he is antagonising the media or the club or the fans or anyone. He is just a good guy and not just a good guy, a really smart guy. And so when he answers a question in his, in his way that he does, he comes across as matey, but he also comes across as thoughtful and interesting. And he takes different perspectives into consideration. And it's just so refreshing. Uh, I, I, I can't say enough how refreshing I find it. And I just feel like it sounds dramatic, but I feel like we've got our Tottenham back.
2: But you're taking you're taking the stance of a well-rounded individual who's not four pints deep and in this football stadium where things are multiplied and magnified and everything else. Had we lost the game, then immediately there's 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 no drum, there's no post music, there's oh we should have Harry Kane, Richarlison didn't score Harry Kane. So it, it changes immediately the narrative. The positivity is there, of course, because we played well, but had we lost, the same questions would have come back up. So the result does help. You know, you could be you could be as nice and as beautiful football as you want, but have we have we lost that game? The conversation around Tottenham isn't about what Poster is building, it's what is Poster going to do with a Harry Kane-sized hole in his team and, and supporters protesting post-match. No one spoke about the protest after after the game because we smashed up Man United and that's that's what matters. It, football is so in the moment and so obsessed with what's happened in those 90 minutes that the result is is what changed the, the, the feeling, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, Buddy's right. Buddy's right that the result carries an enormous amount of weight um, but I will still say that like I'm very positively surprised um, about how quickly the fan base is taken to edge I thought it would take time I thought the you know lack of ambition no experience type stuff would be stronger than that it than it has been um, yeah obviously the wind helps the, the I don't know I think that like every every fan base thinks that their club is special in ways that they aren't mm-hmm <laughs> But I do wonder if actually really there is something about the way that Tottenham Hotspur is meant to play at football that, that we really are. Um, a team who are dedicated to trying, dedicated to beautiful football, dedicated to having the ball and trying things,
3: um, and that—that's speaks... that, a path we've forged as a yeah. club for ourselves. We've created so, that. We, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, I think so. And I think that that speaks a little bit
0: to the to the struggles of Conte, and Mourinho, and I think it speaks to a slight little helping hand that that Posticoglu is benefiting from. And uh, I don't know. Over the last five years, it's been. Um, easy for me to feel really quite cynical about this club not just the stewardship of this club but the club as a whole whether there's actually anything unique to it other than just its geography Um, but yeah maybe uh, maybe there's a Tottenham way of playing football and that's what the fans are seeing Mm -hmm. they know it when they see it
2: I think the the freshness to the team has really helped though because the same old faces that are part of the old regimes that have failed us aren't there man Lloris has gone Uh, Sanchez is. Is a bit part player there's no Dier Schweibergs on the bench Kane for as, as great as Kane is he he became the symbol man of no trophies it was Harry Kane's never won anything and he's no longer there there is a freshness to this team that midfield of Saar, Basuma Madison it's it's new it's exciting Van de Ven uh, Poro is pretty new he's not been tarnished by our failures from the past destiny everything else it is really exciting and um I'm pretty ready to get on the bandwagon I'm pretty close to to get my leg up, up on the step and.
0: You're you're right that there's more new faces in the team, but I think that's also the coach, right? Because I think Mm. that Mourinho and Conte are picking Hojbjerg and they're saying the band event's not ready yet and um, uh, more of that, (laughs) yeah, that there would be less turnover that the the football itself and the coach um, allows and necessitates those changes.
3: Uh finally Nathan you wanted to talk about the refereeing
2: as someone like I you
0: ever bring up the referee once you hate about it. the referee I hate it I think it's silly I think it's a waste of time um obviously like I I've barely been to the stadium over the last few years cuz the football's been fucking atrocious <laughs> right um and obviously when you're in the stadium you always feel a little more like um the referee is part of a grand conspiracy to personally take down your football club <laughs> right um, I'm not going to go that far, obviously. And I think that um, Oliver's one of the better refs in, in, in football. I think he's the best in this country. But I do feel like the officiating in this game um, fails to protect the well-being of the players, I'd say.
2: mm nice I'm glad normally I, I'll send I'll send a message and Windy will go oh the, the referee was alright and it was just like you. I'm inside the stadium seething <laughs> at, the, at the injustice of that idiot in the black I'm glad someone else was a Michael Oliver's a prat he, he got me he really wound me up He's. I didn't like him at all
3: I thought there were some bad decisions in the Brentford game and I thought there were some bad decisions in this game to be honest it was
0: pretty heavy on the yellow cards in the Brentford game the ref was I thought yep
3: yeah, but also the the penalty decision I really didn't like. You know, he just threw himself down, and in this game, I feel like what happened to Romero was far worse than what Son did to Jensen. Like hmm. he's he's neither of them get the ball, and so I guess you could say that they were competing for the ball. But Romero's reaching his leg out to touch the ball and Martinez is reaching his leg out to kick Romero and stop him getting the ball like that's the difference and it's a penalty it's an obvious penalty it's a clear and obvious error and it should have been picked up and it wasn't and that's that's disappointing um, I, I think the Romero handball I was pleased it wasn't given because I really fucking hate those handballs when it's like two, two yards away from the player's arm and he's he's obviously not in an unnatural position He's he's pivoting in that direction to try and block the ball with his chest and it hits his arm which is behind him Um, I don't feel like Romero's done that, made his body move in that way to gain an an advantage. Um, Having said that, I fully expected it to be given. (laughs) I thought that would be a penalty.
0: One thing that I thought that we did exceptionally well under Pochettino, among other things, um, was set the physical tone of the game, yeah? Establish a sort of a base level of intensity in our shoulder-to-shoulder challenges um, and competition for loose balls that probably allowed us to get away with a few more tactical fouls. Um, And I think that we're not doing a great job of that. And maybe because we're playing more technical football and more technical footballers that we can't the ones go too fouled
3: far. rather than fouling
0: yeah but i think that like in the brentford game we stopped counters with fouls and we got in big trouble for it every time and i think that we uh we might need to sort of practice a few dark arts to get away with otherwise we're going to get someone sent off in the next few games
3: mm. Mm. <laughs> it's a good point i thought we'd be talking about transfers today but alas it's been another quiet week so I'll end instead with a throwback to uh, Windy of old and talk about the under-21s. Rob Adolf said, watched a lot of our under-21s last season and two games into this season, a lot of the players look transformed. Apart from the obvious, brackets, Alfie, who do you have the highest hopes for out of this crop of players? So... The under-21s are now playing Ange Ball. This is new. We don't normally, at the at any youth levels, mirror the style of the first team. I, I love that. I love I that we're doing that. I think it's fantastic that the under-21s under are doing that. I don't care so much with the under-18s doing it, but the under-21s are, at that age, being prepared for first-team football. So, yeah, of man. course, they should be training in the style of the, the, um, the manager. Uh Ange Ball is working an absolute treat for them. So they beat Man City away 5-0 in their first game. They beat Newcastle 4-0 at home in their second game. Man, Man City are the uh, defending champions, although admittedly a lot of their players were under-18s so that have just moved up. Newcastle have, have just moved up a division, so we're a weaker team. But there were some outstanding performances across those two games. Um, the most outstanding across both the games was Jamie Donnelly, uh, who's playing the Madison role. I think most people would think of Jamie Donnelly as a striker, but he's playing the Madison role as, as in the three-man midfield. His pressing is exceptional. His passing is exceptional. Uh, he plays with an intensity that uh, teams have struggled with so far, and his finishing is fantastic. Um, Niall John has been really good in midfield. He's been on the score sheet already. He looks excellent. And the player that's caught my eye the most, I think Postacoglia will at least have to have a look at before too long is Iago Santiago our left winger who has scored two goals in each game so far and he is a 1v1 specialist he's an excellent finisher he can go both ways in the wing there is a player there no centre of gravity yeah well this is it like in in the cup I would love to see him on the bench I'd love to see him get a chance from the bench and just like bring him on see what he can do give him 20 minutes here and there because there's definitely a player he is really impressing me so far um phillips our signing ashley phillips from blackburn um made his debut against newcastle look pretty good alongside Alfie Dorrington, who's an excellent excellent center back showing loads of promise brings the ball forward quite often there's there's a whole load of players throughout this team and squad that that hold promise and i'm really pleased to see them playing in a style that seems to be getting the best out of them so long may it continue You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nathan A. Clark. If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Creighton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Do check him out, he's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on, you Spurs.